times when I think about what Zen practice is, it becomes obvious to me how strange it might seem when we first encounter it. When I first came to Zen practice, I was drawn a lot by the culture that stood behind it. Yet also, I had meditated before on my own and one day a Zen book fell into my hands and as I read it, it was just written exactly what I had experienced in that meditation that I had done just on my own. It's interesting to note that actually in the beginning I was much more interested in the Chinese culture and the Chinese ideas of Taoism and that kind of cultural heritage. And the Japanese way how Japan operated was still a mystery to me, but it seemed fairly clear to me that the Japanese take ideas, they imported ideas, not only in terms of Zen Buddhism from the Chinese Chan, but also what we saw in the taking up the ideas and ways of the Western world. If we think back, for example, the first manufacture of musical instruments, Western musical instruments in, in Japan goes back to the 1880s. That kind of technology was brought over there and nowadays some of the finest instruments are built in Japan. So what seemed to me at first like the copycat nation that takes ideas, appropriates them, and then excels with them, became a very interesting metaphor for what happens to us as individuals as we engage in a practice, in a spiritual practice, in a meditation practice, even in body practices such as Hatha Yoga or sports. The interesting point that I want to make in this here is that whatever we receive from what at first sees foreign or coming from the outside or not what we are, by practicing, by sticking with it and by examining our resistances to it, by examining our judgments of it, by basically examining how our mind works. Over time, the ideas, the techniques, the technology is not external anymore. It becomes who we are and how we work. And then from having learned and practiced this, over and over again. It frees itself from a prescriptive way of doing things to becoming a way of expression, of expression of who we are, of expression of what it means to be alive, what it means to be a human being.
Zazen, this seated meditation that we practice here, where we follow the breath in the beginning and where we come more and more into this presence, into the being here completely, into what in Buddhist terms would be called samadhi, zammai in Japanese, a state of complete absorption. Sports may bring us the same kind of samadhi, the samadhi of being a runner that completely becomes one with the running, no motion, nobody initiating the motion anymore, no path we are running on, but completely what some people call in the zone. And that samadhi is something that we can cultivate in our zazen. It would take me quite some time to explain that there are two different flavors of samadhi. The samadhi where there is still some consciousness involved. This includes the being in the zone because we don't black out, we don't disappear. But we are fully present. We are fully present and fully engaged and fully active. In Zazen, the Samadhi might take a completely different form, going to the opposite end of the spectrum, where we completely disappear, where there is no recollection. There is nothing that is observed and nobody who would observe anything. The moment we emerge from this absorption, from this samadhi, our awareness comes back and we know that some time has elapsed, that we haven't been there. Quite an interesting experience. So as we encounter in the meditation these natural phenomena of samadhi, the falling away of self, the falling away of observer and observed, of subject and object, of a person and surroundings, the more we experience that and make it part and see it in our daily lives, the more apt we will become in terms of meeting the challenges of life that always comes at us and for which we always are unprepared. Nature has given us a very strong tool and that tool in our consciousness is called the agency of self, the agency of ego. And ultimately, if we look at it, the agency of ego, of selfhood, of having identity, of being someone, of having opinions, of being a subject, is what makes human beings able to create society, to create culture, 
civilization. That consciousness of individuality is something that is very important where it belongs and where it is helpful. But there are many places where it gets in the way. And for that, this agency has to mature. It has to continue to be shaped through our practice. And Zazen, sitting still following the breath, will bring us face to face with that agency of self, that ego. Ego is very strong and it has as its goal to be always in charge. Controlling, controlling, controlling. It's important that we exert certain controls while we live in society. It wouldn't be okay to just follow every whim of our predilections of what we want. For that reason, society has formed certain codices, rule sets, commandments, expectations that we as human beings in society have to better follow. Otherwise, society as a whole will be in uproar and not possible. We see that very clearly currently in the political situation in which we find ourselves in the United States. When long-established ways of doing things and of what seemed to be accepted and what seemed to be okay to do suddenly are completely ignored. And we also see how difficult it is to address such a situation by following the old rules that already have been broken. It's quite an interesting dilemma in which we find ourselves. And personally, we will find ourselves throughout our lives in dilemmas like that over and over again. So Zazen and this kind of practice helps us to see how this self, how this agency works and where it is important in terms of exerting its controlling nature and where it is completely in the way. How often in your life have you looked back at a situation where you just look back and think, oh, I wish I could have just not been blah, 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 blah. But something at the time kept us from acting, following our deep intuition of what would be the best thing to do, what would be the appropriate thing to do, where we didn't allow ourselves to let our non-ego nature manifest itself as it was called for. I wish I could have told him this or that. Regrets, most of the regrets are of that nature. 
or of the nature that we did something that we wish we wouldn't have done, driven by some kind of motivation that we later saw through as being a motivation that was self-centered or from some other kind of place that is not beneficial. Another interesting point, though, about Zen practice is that it is a Buddhist practice. Siddhartha Gautama, 2,585 years ago or so, who is credited as the founder of Buddhism, of this practice, of the teachings that came after him. But what is most important for us as Zen practitioners is that Siddhartha was a human being just as we are. And he went through these practices not necessarily because he was blessed with some kind of divine authority or ability. No, it happens to be that he was the first one who showed us that we as human beings can undergo a process of maturation that allows us to grow up from a purely self-agency of ego that just looks at what is good for ourselves to some kind of more liberated state, as free as possible in this human form that allows us to act appropriately and to act to the benefit of all living beings of all sentient beings, of even insentient matter. We see this in our modern world very clearly by looking at how humanity has mistreated and exploited not only other human beings, but based on the thought or the assumption that what this universe has to offer is for ours to take. The world we live in is talked about as the environment. Already we can see by that term that it is separate from who or what we are. Through the exploitation, the pollution, the plundering of the environment, we begin to see as society that there is no separation and that for every action that humanity has set and however we, by our mere existence, impact the natural balance of that what is called the environment, it's coming back to us. It is playing out the principle of cause and effect. As human beings, as society, any practice that helps us grow out of our self-centeredness, grow out of just objectifying that what we want to exploit, may it be another person, 
May it be substance, physicality. We have to look at that very, very carefully. And Siddhartha showed us that by setting the example of what kind of practice to do. No magic is involved. No belief is necessary. The only thing that we need for such maturation is to be persistent, to be open and to be willing to face that what this agency that is solely self-centered rather not see. Why isn't there a, an easier way to do this? Hmm. That is a question that firmly is grounded into the stake of this I am self and I want it to be easy. And I don't want anything else to interfere with me. I am. That is the controlling ego. So, that's a lot to be said about just sitting there upright, following your breath. But it pretty much is a roadmap of what you will encounter if you continue to follow a practice like this. If you will, you can put it into the world of whatever you want to imagine. The Game of Thrones. You can put it into the world of the Lord of the Rings and you will meet Sauron. Or you can put it into the real world here and you will meet this agency of I am self that if not challenged by the co-equal need to manifest no self, then we'll end up in very, very difficult situations. No magic, no belief, open eyes, open arms, open heart, and persistence are the right conditions to allow ourselves to continue to develop as human beings in our human consciousness, to become free and to be able to be free within our human form, but also to be free from the limitations. It has to be practical. There is no thing that can be experienced on the cushion that is worth anything if you cannot take it into the world and act on it. Academic fields might be such fields where you can do that, but in true spiritual practice, there is no theory that can exist without the actualization of what 
we see, what we intuit, and what we think. One breath at a time, making relationship with that what comes into our deep presence. 